the United States is a business-run society. Today we're going to talk about <coughs> avant-garde, the avant-garde, and being avant-garde. We get to this later, and uh, yeah. We start with avant-garde because it starts with A and this is our first letter. James Joyce! No, avant-garde. <laughs> oh, this says James Joyce. Okay. Jean! Okay. Are they really doing it? Um, cut it! Yeah. Cut this! Okay, cut it. Let's say it again. Uh, cut this! Okay, I have a question. First of all, why is a French word anyway? Why is those typical whatever art-related word or philosophical stuff-related word always in French? <clears throat> um, in this case and many other cases, of course, it's because of the origin. So... You mean origin of the word? Yes. Um, also, just the, the origin of where it became relevant as a term. Okay. So the avant-garde in this case is very much a product of, in this particular case, very much product of uh, political developments. It's a direct response to the more or less just being concluded French Revolution. It is before French Revolution or after French Revolution? It's a response to the, to the French Revolution. Okay. So you have the French Revolution which lasts about 10 years from 1789 to 1799. Okay. And just apart from all the, the chaos, um, there was part of it, one big reason why there was a could say. So when Napoleon was crowning himself as an emperor and basically re-establish a monarchy type of, of government or situation, mm -hmm. hierarchy. And then entirely in uh, 1815, um, after the, the Battle of Waterloo, in which monarchy was <coughs> re-established and Napoleon was sent away to an island. Mm -hmm. So there was this kind of, um, among intellectuals specifically, this kind of, um, what can you say? There was a, a, a big question roaming around in intellectual circles, what went wrong? Okay. How can it be changed? How mm -hmm. can a different sustainable political system be established okay. with the ideals that were um, at the at the front foot or the main the main ideals of the French Revolution, of course, largely being sparked by Rousseau, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and the term itself 
uh, comes from from um, Saint Simon, um, who had this this idea, this vision of a government being made out of or led by industrials, scientists, and artists um, that would form a government. Ah, so it's also why is industrialist? Uh, I, I guess like a economical revolution as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the industrial revolution and the the capitalism as a okay. sort of divided. Um, from the previous colonialism, which sort of had this very strong capitalist component. Okay. Of course, it was the, the urbanization, industrialization, mm -hmm. and therefore industrials were a very big, important group, especially also the bourgeoisie, which was the merchants, industrial, the capitalists, and so on, um, yeah. were of course having a, a new significance. Uh, I, I guess that you could say that the idea of Saint-Simon is somewhat related to Plato's idea of a philosopher, or I think he called it guardians-led government, that he was uh, proposing in in the Republic. Okay. But the the very big difference, which is also the the, the difference that leads us back to avant-garde, is that in Plato, uh, or in Plato's conception of of this philosophers um, government mm. there was absolutely no place for artists yeah. artists were somewhat of an of a of an enemy of Plato Plato more or less not despised but was very critical of artists um, okay. so for him the, the the group of philosophers which of course with the term philosopher now we would say it covers science as well mm -hmm. Um, is, is a, uh, in this way very very different from the later idea of including artists mm -hmm. um, and for Saint-Simon the, the artists in this government group were the avant-garde so it was the, the advance guard, the vanguard, the, the group so it's uh, used for political reasons, political changes but using the word it's of, of course it's a military term for political changes yeah um i mean the the saint simon was was very different as i said to the plato it also yeah. is much more suitable with our contemporary idea of how a government could be made that means while in in plato's idea the the farmers and craftsmen basically had no position at all yeah they were what he called producers yeah. they had no real no real um, they had a purpose but they had no power so the philosophers that he talked were mostly, uh, mostly coming from the auxiliaries which were like a warrior states group that were being educated into being part of the government being philosophers mm -hmm. but then Saint-Simon where the, the farmers or workers mm -hmm. were still not a part of the, the government mm -hmm. they were being considered more important and it the, the whole conception can be considered to be somewhat of a socialist idea yeah. while of course related to Marx not going far enough at all <clears throat> but yeah the artists had like a, a special role in the way that they were being the the man of imagination and fantasy the people or the, the, the working group that 
could Vanguard that could go ahead and make real important changes through this kind of gift that they have, which is this imagination. And mm -hmm. I guess this is in it relation to from uh, Percy Shelley, for instance, who was himself an anarchist mm -hmm. poet, obviously, and who thought of the of the poets and of the writers as being already somewhat of a of a governing force, like a force of intellectuals that is guiding the development of of society through their works. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm? what is the political influences of the avant-garde as the term develops? I mean, this is a little bit difficult to answer because the, the term avant-garde. Because I don't think it's a political term at <coughs> all anymore. Mm. It is mostly a, a, a art field term. I mean, it is a it is a very political term in the way okay. in the way that Lenin was using it oh, okay. constantly. Okay. Um, I think I think it's not very political in the in general perception. But of course, if you would be a historian, then you would probably disagree with this. Mm. Um, I think it has something to do. And we, we get this to, to this later and, and again and again, I'm sure, that the term itself is very... Um, the, the usage of it is very free and can be used from opposite streams yeah. for their own cause. So there is a, there, we see this in relation, especially when, when avant-garde is, is heading towards America. Mm -hmm. um, but also in terms of politics, avant-garde was in politics, I think, used in this kind of spectrum, left political spectrum, how later it, on by... How is it used hmm? political? You still didn't answer the question. Then. What was the question? <laughs> political influences. Yeah, that's what I, what I meant to say. I mean, yeah. there is a difference between what is the political influence of the avant-garde, of the artistic groups, the self-defined okay. avant-garde, okay. Um, and what is the influence of the political groups that used the word avant-garde for themselves and for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a different matter and it also changes depending on the, the, the time, the historical environment. Mm -hmm. um, and it uses, it changes the, depending on, it has been appropriated a lot by different groups. Mm -hmm. And um, the avant-garde of French where it originated is very different. The early avant-garde is very different than the later avant-garde, which is very different than the American avant-garde, mm. which is very different than the Soviet political avant-garde. Okay. And by the time that you get to the 60s, in which time still uh, people still used the term avant-garde for people like Andy Warhol mm. and such, the, the term <coughs> becomes entirely twisted. And changed. I mean, and you also used avant-garde. I don't know if he used it himself, but it was definitely like a, a, a term that was been has been used for pop art, okay. that has been used for entirely. That's also another field. I mean, the avant-garde was in the very beginning certainly used for authors, then very uh, fast became like the main mm. term for painters, yeah. um, for reasons that we can talk about later. Um, but of course you have a music avant-garde. Yeah, um, there's uh, different types. You have, yeah, every 
every art form has its own avant-garde and at this point the idea of avant-garde is already largely oh, but the reduced to being novel, being radical and so yeah, on. Yeah, but they all have to have some sort of political agenda apart from being new. Because yes. they have to be somehow sort of left and uh, seeking for yeah. political changes and everything. Yes, there is this very interesting component um, that in the very early avant-garde movements <clears throat> it is sort of required that as an avant-garde artist you have to be aware of your own avant-garde. <laughs> Meaning that artists who have been very innovative and novel in the way of using the medium that they have been doing, so for instance painting, yeah. um, whenever they use it in a more unconscious way, mm -hmm. not directed towards this is something new, this is avant-garde, this is radical, this is political, mm -hmm. um, they were being mostly called naive. So uh, um, there's a, a few artists who fall in this realm who were very... Um, <laughs> Before <laughs> a few few artists who were doing those kind of um, avant-gardistic practices and ideas, but they didn't define themselves, nor did they really think of it as an avant-garde practice. And they are mostly having another term. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, this also comes from the idea of avant-garde being a group in the beginning. They're like we didn't really talk about the difference between being avant-garde or having avant-garde avant-gardistic uh, work or being part of the avant-garde because avant-garde of course in many ways also at times was a group a group of people <clears throat> but some of the first artists who were being uh, called or considered avant-garde like Baudelaire and so on um, they struggled with the term they didn't like it didn't like the term avant-garde you mean? yeah they didn't like it I mean there's many artists also now who struggle with the term I saw in um, I think Wolfgang Riem or Heinz Holliger some mm -hmm. composer said he doesn't like it because of the militaristic aspect of it uh, but that's oh. that's not what I mean okay. um, the reason Baudelaire didn't like it mm. was because there was very early on an idea of avant-garde being related to modernization mm. being related to commodification and capitalism to a certain degree, especially since they were making use of all of those new technologies and medias that were available. Okay. Um, and Baudelaire didn't particularly like this. Um, but I think it's also the thing with all of those new thing inventions in terms of artistic inventions in the history of art, mm. that they there are always these inventions, there are always new things come, but just, just now it's related to new and related to being progressive. progressive yes. Yeah, and then it's going to be like a put put it into a term. But I mean, if it's before always existed, why it is suddenly like a big deal that um, you know, just because it's political? Uh, I don't think that you can say that it existed before. Um, why not? Of course, there has been constant changes in in art, and there has always been a questioning of the the previous style um, by the by the new style. But of the, 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 I think the very big difference um, that avant-garde holds is, on the one hand, this kind of deconstructing element of it, which is largely about the medium itself 
and not so much as the subject matter or certain mm, techniques. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the idea of, I mean, often noted as being one of the first avant-garde developments was this kind of neo-impressionistic painting. Mm. Um, or impressionism itself already. So um, something in which the, the entire idea of subjectivity, the idea of Human. how do you even use a brush, okay. Um, okay. changed massively. So there's a constant idea in, in avant-garde yeah, that, that you are basically breaking everything down. Okay. You, are, you are questioning everything that is part of the medium. Uh, sometimes it's very difficult to, to make a distinction to to modernism. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you could for for many. I think it's particularly inter interesting that the term avant-garde is not as commonly used for for writers. Um, okay. This has, on the one hand, there is a, a technical component to it. I mean, painters were very often on the on the forefront. Uh, of those developments is also because it is relatively inexpensive um, to paint and you can exhibit it mm -hmm. basically anywhere which also happened at that time mm -hmm. less and less in museums more in salon and, and even other um, occasions and it's not very expensive compared to printing books for instance or to making films um, so there is another component to painting which allowed us a different way of, of deconstructing elements and trying and experimenting. Um, it's, in this way it's also quite noticeable that many of the painters were um, very large factors in the avant-garde development of other disciplines. So for instance Duchamp in terms of um, music for instance. So, or in, or in film as well, obviously. To show in terms of music? Yeah, he did. He did some aleatoric work before John Cage. So, in, in regards to, you know, aleatoric, so not random, but um, not in a so form of fixed composition. Of course, you could say that Satie already had a large part in the development towards that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you also know in, in film and in photography, Basically, painters had their their fingers in, in anything at the time. Another question. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is about uh, this one term, but it's like any other terms always being how do you say like semi-termed. Semi-termed. Meaning, like for instance, if you now say avant-garde, basically means nothing. Means no, no, no. Oh. Means back like referring to back then means everything. Dadaism means um, the modernism in music, mm. um, yeah, contemporary, mm. whatever, and jazz improvisation mm. to a certain extent. Um, yeah, those kind of things they are all divided into different parts of those development in art. Mm -hmm. uh, then yeah, we can just talk about what the parts of those. 20th century avant-gardeism mm. in art types or you know yeah. including well, literature as well like I said I, I think the, the term is a bit it's adjective it's not a noun what I meant 
Yeah, no, no. What I meant is the term for an adjective as well as for for a group or or a single person. I think the term is relatively loosely used. And okay. if you want to make a real distinction between modernism and avant-garde, it becomes fast difficult. Um, for some, it is there is a certain political component. Mm -hmm. um, for some, it is in in relation to to new technology and and, and um, media in terms of uh, also in a way of uh, reproducing. Mm -hmm. I mean. One very important component which we didn't talk about at all, in which puts even more of those um, art movements into a category which doesn't belong to avant-garde, mm. is that avant-garde, of course, was also always something that regarded itself as being non-mainstream. Mm. If you you have to think of first of all, there's many factors. For one, Paris was overflooded with artists at that time. There were way too many artists, way too many people going to Paris to be artists. Mm -hmm. um, because of new possibilities of printing, there was much more, um, there were way more book printing, there were many people uh, reading books, there were more newspapers, um, all of those things together. And there was still a very hierarchical system in art industry, now largely based at that time on prizes, academic merits, all of those kind of things. And the avant-garde was on the periphery of that. They were being a group of people who didn't feel that they are part of the mainstream or could be part of the mainstream. Mm. So many of the art uh, movements that we, we talk about, they of course never really have been on the periphery. They never were going through a large period of being unsuccessful or something like that. So I think a large, large part of the, of, of those movements, they are avant-garde in the way of, of being modernistic, um, of, of questioning certain, certain conventions about, mm. about art. Um, sometimes they are even political, for instance. Uh, I mean, Picasso was largely political in his work. Um, but... If they're really avant-garde or not, is a very like a movement-to-movement -movement question, sometimes artist-to-artist -artist question. And the distinction between avant-garde being just a radical form of art um, and avant-garde having all of those parts of politics, often leftist politics, mm. um, a certain demographic, if you want, those are very often... Um, those parts that are very important to define avant-garde are very often put out of the equation. Yeah, but I mean, what about those things that is not back then considered um, political? Mm -hmm. But if you put in a time frame or if you put in a structure frame or whatever, it is can be considered as anti-structure, anti-society or anti-tradition. I mean, because Let's here is also like, he, the Schoenberg was considered not avant-garde and avant-garde at the same time. Yes, I mean, I just want to make this example. Yeah. If you take Schoenberg, yeah. um, and of course, uh, Berg, Weber and so on, um, they qualify for a, a large amount of what people consider to be avant-garde. Mm -hmm. 
um, they were breaking with a very long tradition of tonality um, they were doing it consciously um, they were certainly not mainstream in the in the regards to audience or academia mm -hmm. in large parts mm -hmm. um, or at least it took some time um, they were more radical in their medium as I would consider most of the uh, the artists in other media at the, at the same time yet there is no real political side to it to, they didn't really have a uniform political gender or political idea mm. um, so yeah but I mean, what I meant is the, the thing that they do which is breaking the tonality which is already like a anti anti-system anti, yeah, anti-systematic structure which is in music in the thing itself other than having a conscious leftist political agenda Uh, but yeah, I think I think what is a part of avant-garde which is even more difficult to pin down or to pinpoint is a certain posture, a certain uh, self-understanding that is being showcased. So in this way, John Cage is very avant-garde um, in the way he presented himself in the way that he he was um, being presented in the way of uh, what people he surrounded himself with um, yet in terms of innovation musical innovation uh, Schoenberg was obviously in no way less radical, important, significant than him. Yet the term avant-garde for, for Schoenberg is much more uh, questionable or difficult to apply than for Cage. Um, I mean even composers who, who like Philip Glass or, or Steve Reich, who I would consider to be very, very insignificant musically. Okay. Uh, certainly had the term avant-garde attached to them simply for having Political. a certain role in the music scene of America at that time okay. being somewhat underground um, making things different than others yet their their musical invention was but in marginal. this case isn't the jazz um, development or creation or whatever more avant-garde than those simplistic or not simplistic minimalistic thing I think jazz is a very difficult and interesting question uh, because you have in all of those European avant-garde they're also very political jazz at, at times <laughs> not necessarily oh, yeah, um, I think that 
in all of those European avant-garde streams, or in many of them, you have this idea of, which is also, of course, a, a part of Debussy, uh, largely, which is, is part of the, or could be regarded as part of the avant-garde, I'm, sh I'm sure mostly he is, um, was taking influences from um, Japanese music, from Gamelan, mm -hmm. obviously, and it is very common, I mean, Monet had influences from Japan as well. So there was this idea of, and, and Ravel with Spanish music and so on, so there was this idea of um, finding those kind of, back then, considered exotic or um, non-Western, non-mainstream um, parts and bring it into their art. Same with, with Stravinsky and, and Bartok with, with folklore, folk music. And of course in a way jazz is interesting in this way as it is not an appropriation or a taking mm. of those, but it is directly developed out of gospel and blues and therefore it has not been taken from it. It mm. is this. And uh, this way I think jazz is very, very different than, than those European You mean jazz groups. is already like a popular form and then was just developed into a complex term, complex thing. Other than those already, you know, like a... I wouldn't say that. I mean, jazz certainly, if you have New Orleans jazz or something like that, Louis Armstrong or something, of course this is already also more complicated or complex than most of the pop songs mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. It's if it is not pop songs of that time. Mm. But it is, it is of course, much more simplistic than classical music of that time and in no relation to, to Schoenberg or something like that. And jazz only becomes somewhat of a... intellectual is the wrong word, but with a, like a, a genre focusing on, on complexity and expansion of their... Of their expressive tools or modes mm -hmm. through um, bebop and then of course with Miles Davis and later on a Coleman and so on um, when they sort of then it's it's sort of the other way around I mean then you have obviously Coltrane being very influenced by, by classical music you had earlier a uh, Tatum being influenced by, by Debussy mm -hmm. Bill Evans being influenced by Debussy this kind of binary development of Miles Davis being influenced by, by modern music, Debussy, Ravel and so on, and Coltrane being sort of more in the direction of, a, of, of um, yeah, Wagner, Mahler, this kind of, okay. this kind of direction, like complex tonality. Okay. Uh, so there, at some point, it goes the other way around. Of course, jazz already had this earlier through many of them having like a background of marching music or having having a classical training or something but I think in general it presents itself much more difficult to to have a connection with the European avant-garde of course there was an attraction between those two mm. and also an influence mm. but I, I think I, I think I would have a difficulty considering jazz to be avant-garde not because it's not um, radical enough or political or whatever but because it's just an entirely different origin and development. But there's avant-garde in, for instance, rock music, 70s? I think then you already get the problem of what you... Commercial? Again, what you say about avant-garde. And of course avant-garde has this very, yeah, like you said, very 
big problem of it is originally anti-mainstream, it's un in large parts anti-commercial, anti but by the time of the uh, 60s and 70s, especially pop art. Yeah, yeah so there are, of course, some postmodern or many postmodern um, theorists or philosophers who, who basically considered the, the pop art to be the end of avant-garde um, in the way that from previously criticizing it, being away from the mainstream, uh, art at this point becoming entirely associated with consumerism, becoming a design or a, like a lifestyle. Um, and avant-garde at this point already becomes more like a, almost like a selling point. Um, but already is part of the mainstream, or at least those those self-declared or outside-declared avant-garde streams are mainstream. I mean, if it's the same time, then literature would be... It's not, of course it's not true. Mm -hmm. Because something considered very avant-garde is surrealism. Okay. So, Breton, and, and even uh, Louis Aragon or, or people like that are still obviously considered avant-garde. I would guess that most people would consider James Joyce avant-garde. I don't know if Virginia Woolf would still be in the same category for people, okay. or, or Faulkner. Mm. Um, but Kenneth Patchen, um, yeah, I think that they're... So modernist, same, modernist writers. Yes, I think the, the, the finally the the people the, those that are considered avant-garde mm. are very largely French. Okay. Um, anyone who's from another country, like Dublin in Germany, um, Wolfgang Köppen, of course it's later, but still I don't think that the the, the term avant-garde is often used in this relation. Okay. Um, for like I said, for for James Joyce, uh, I think it probably is common to use it. But again, someone like Flann O'Brien, um, also because I think that that they, you have this kind of in, in in literature, you have this kind of modern uh, modern writers, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. James Joyce, um, Dorothy Richardson, those people, and then already with Flann O'Brien, it goes into a terminology which is postmodernism. Mm. Um, avant-garde is something that is really constructing everything. Would be then really those kind of um, French surrealists and those um, Dadaistic texts. Um, I think in, in, in literature it's very confined to a small amount of, of direction. Something like Knut Hammersen is already not part of it. Okay, so it's again like a difficult to define thing in literature. I would guess so, yes. I mean, it's also just really the question, is, is the whole beat, all the beat poets, is William S. Burroughs, are all of those people avant-garde simply because they were radical? Mm. Or, and I mean they were radical and obviously especially in case of Allen Ginsberg and so on of course mm -hmm. they were left mm -hmm. politically um, but considering the, the time in which 
they were being active. Um, it is really, I think it's very difficult to, to apply avant-garde to many artists only based upon the fact of that they are somewhat left um, yeah. and that they are considered radical. I mean, now it's very often, when we talk about this a little bit later, about how what is avant-garde today, is mm. there an avant-garde today? Mm. I think in large parts the problem to define this is um, because it's not quite clear what checkboxes has to be checked mm. to be avant-garde. Mm. And nowadays avant-garde is just being used as a term for being somewhat innovative but at the same time it seems to me that more often than not it's more a way that artists are being advertised mm. and many artists who have basically no real innovative qualities are being sold and celebrated in that way I mean for instance would you would you think that uh, Banksy is considered avant-garde is he avant-garde No. But do you think people think he's avant-garde? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I would say so too. Yeah. But in the way that in the in the in the way that similarly to, to Andy Warhol he kind of created the anti capitalism as a the capitalist hand. object. Mm. Yeah, I know. He yeah. certainly is not avant garde. Mm. Uh, I, I I it would be another question to, to think of is So it's basically starts from the commercializing all the art products. I think it's a, a combination of the commodification, entire commodification <laughs> of of art, specifically also art using the same the same signs mm -hmm. as as um, consumerism, which is largely due to Andy Warhol, mm -hmm. um, and therefore have no distinction anymore. But then, yeah, but then this is also not a real avant-garde if you talk about it. Oh, if you would, I mean... Because the avant-garde yeah. in popular culture, as in, in mass culture, would be the imitation of a real avant-garde. But I think it's not that, uh, so easy. Or the... Because I think that uh, with, with Andy Warhol, of course, in, in my consideration, he's not avant-garde the least of bit. And he's, I mean, even the question of artist would be difficult for me. Mm. But the, 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 the bigger problem is, I think, that in, in our system, in our kind of late capitalist system, mm. um, the idea to make an art piece in any of those forms that we know and are accustomed to, mm. that has those, those characteristics of being anti-capitalist, mm. anti-consumerist, seems impossible because anything that you create becomes a capitalist or consumeristic object. So to be avant-garde in the old way simply seems not really possible in our time. Um, I think there are very few exceptions, maybe, uh, that you could bring forth. The, the previous new invention, as in new inventions in art mm. or in anything, mm. is different because it is individualized. It is a real personal thing but uh, after capitalistic development especially in cultural industry those new things even if they're individual they can be reproduced as in for instance not Andy Warhol but anything that is real personal 
uh, creation. Even if it's a personal thing, the image of it can be recreated. After, I mean, mass pro production in terms of TV, in terms of the real, for instance, like sticker, for instance, like anything that the image itself mm. is being, you know, whatever. So the, the avant-garde is not avant-garde anymore, but it's uh, avant-garde in mass culture. Yes, I think it has something to do with, with we don't have to get into this, we might at some other point in the future, but of course it has something to do with, with the idea of semiology, with science, and with the kind of, I think at some point you have to, would have to talk about hyper-reality, mm -hmm. and the hyper-real, mm -hmm. uh, why those objects cannot have the same significance anymore, those yeah. artworks. Um, I mean, we now talked about mostly in the terms of an adjective. Of course, the question is, is there an avant-garde in terms of a, of a no. group? Oh, okay. Um, I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure there's very many groups that would call themselves or define themselves as avant-garde. Mm. Uh, but of course, this alone wouldn't qualify you as being such. Um, I think there is some, some point to be made that, that the internet is... Um, could give rise or has given rise to a form of avant-garde. Um, you could even think about such things as memes and so on. Um, but I think that in general it's like a, it's, it's a stretch. I think avant-garde is like a, for me at least, it's like a historical terminology that after the 50s or 60s has re no real place anymore in the very changed societal political conditions. Mm. Um, you could, if you have avant-garde as just a defined, defined factor for being innovative or being new, yeah. um, then of course there is still this, this, this factor of technology, mm. which in our time very often is the only constituent of innovation in art. Um, as it seems for most people, like everything has been done. But I think also that there is this very big, the big problem that where the real innovation is happening um, in terms of the actual medium that you're using. Mm. Uh, if you look at music, mm. for instance, there is very significant changes in mm. composition mm. Um, at any given time. Um, certainly after the 50s and after the 60s still, with uh, Griset or Moray or any kind of this, there's so many. But the, the public is almost entirely unaware or mm. entirely unaware of it yeah um so i think why those would in a way qualify as avant-garde in the in in terms of being innovative they don't qualify for one because they are often coming from an academic circle which would be the opposite of or they happen in academic institutions which mm. is an opposite to old avant-garde mm. and they seem to never reach the mainstream not in the least of bit. I mean, if you use contemporary classical music and you have someone like Ligeti, of course at some point he reaches mainstream through being used in, in a Kubrick film. Um, but I don't think it has the same kind of effect or it is the same way being noticed by the society oh, as but I mean, surrealism uh, hundred years ago. Yeah, but isn't the old thing of avant-garde is for used for how do you say, encourage audiences or be sort of um, make the produced awareness of the people who's participating in it? 
I think there's a very important part of, of avant-garde that we didn't talk about so far. Um, and that is, I don't think that you can separate avant-garde from the historical development of the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we talked at the very beginning about the French Revolution, um, which of course is a is a large uh, event in terms of of the the bourgeoisie as a new important or most important class, and often. Especially, we, we, we didn't talk about really about the New York avant-garde and how avant-garde came from France to America. Um, but, of course, the avant-garde was using this idea of innovation, of cutting-edge art, of, of openness to art, and in general being cultivated in terms of art, as a status symbol to distinguish themselves from most of the working class and also from the previous previous um, aristocracy or monarchy. Yeah, yeah. So avant-garde and avant-garde art at some point became a status symbol of the new bourgeoisie to distinguish themselves. Mm. Um, and this way, of course, it's entirely not only away from, from political intentions of the avant-garde, but mm. also from, from ideas of what the avant-garde is aesthetically and culturally supposed to be. Mm. Um, and, and by now the, the avant-garde, what we typically r regard as avant-garde from that time, mm. is one of the many favorite topics and those favorite personalities of typical favorite neoliberal, artists. you're just neoliberal bourgeoisie, oh. like contemporary bourgeoisie. Yeah. I mean, I think the very important aspect to remember is that and that is, I think that's also what translates from this original idea of artists being part of a government, um, which today sounds entirely insane. I mean, any pop artist wants to have a political component, yeah. but what they actually can contribute is zero. Um, but there, there was back then, there was a different understanding of... of there was a different, can you watch the snow? <laughs> <laughs> there was a different importance to artists I think artists also were much more in best cases were much more educated and much more aware of, of political environment than they are today most of them um, and I think that that to talk of to speak of an avant-garde today would would that by the way is our cat one of our three cats making Sexual noises. Choosing <laughs> um, I just, I just simply think that that art is not as relevant and cannot be as relevant anymore right now in our times. Mm. To, to be what avant-garde has been mm. or wanted to be. It's just not relevant anymore. You mean? It's in the system, but it's used by the system. That's why it can't be against the system. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we said, anything. I mean, you have like a, you have like a band. <laughs> you have like a band like Rage Against the Machine, who is trying as hard as possible to be to to bring leftist um, politics and awareness to to their audience, 
At the same time, they are a commercial product of major labels. And if you consume, if you buy a Rage Against the Machine album, uh, you might feel like you are participating. You're participating in a struggle against capitalism, but buying their record will be an act of capitalism. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. the avant-garde is also in the very beginning was said in the book of the you know short mm. introduction was that there always something to be said in the creation of an avant-garde work mm. uh, that is political or progressive or whatever. But I think right now, if you have a creation of a piece, mm. except the, the, the content itself being, you know, like a progress, progressive in itself, mm. for instance, music structures and whatever, mm. um, there's no message that can be delivered that is political or whatever that has not have been said before. I think there can be, but it's just very hard. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I would think of a of a because all work, the critics criticism towards capitalism is already there for a very long time, but you you have it. It's just never changed in a way that is really really changed. It's just developed developed into directions that is even more integrated in the system. Yeah, uh, I do think that that something like anti Oedipus from Deleuze would be an avant garde work. And also the but it's also plateaus because it's it is by by the in the way it it, it is written mm -hmm. so from a literature standpoint mm -hmm. from a philosophy standpoint mm -hmm. um, it definitely qualifies as such I mean it is political okay. it's a it's a piece of literature much more than other philosophical texts like the Society of Spectacle yeah um, and it is it is in a way it's almost like a manifesto. Which of course a manifesto is, and in many cases, somewhat of an of an avant-garde idea. I mean, the very important surreal work is the manifesto from Anta Breton. Yeah. Okay. Another question. Mm -hmm. um, the question is: Is the new and avant-garde necessarily better than the old? And it has to be new and has to be the invention there in the first place oh I think I mean this is a very controversial point there's a lot of people arguing about this um, criticizing this kind of especially with with contemporary classical music also this kind of necessity for novelty yeah this kind of obsession obsession with with always doing the, something yeah new. also the news always considered yeah it's what yeah. I said asking better is it better of course it's not Better. Yeah, I mean there is this this idea, this very question of uh, I forgot now who actually was first to really pose it, but there is this question: is a masterpiece uh, sort of an eternal masterpiece, or is it a masterpiece of its time, or in relation to its time? Okay. So is a is a Haydn symphony, which mm -hmm. is considered a masterpiece, still mm -hmm. a masterpiece if now someone would compose it? Um, so and and release it now in our time. Um, there's definitely different answers to this. Uh, Deutsches says yeah. Huh? I'm a Deutsche says yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would say in most cases no. Um, but I think there's also the 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 question 
in because there is a there is a distinction to be made between innovation and the 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 idea of innovation or the advertisement of innovation. I mean, Baudrillard often talks about those technological inventions as being somewhat of a, of a fake invention. So, I, I mean, we talked about before, not on this podcast, but we talked about the flip phones, uh, mm. smartphones. Um, you talked about. <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 they don't seem to be a real invention to me. They don't seem to be something new. Um, because they, they have very little beneficial qualities that, that distinguish them from the previous straight phone that you can't flip. And still as being, it's one of those very widely facilitated um, uh, technological inventions, which is just selling the next generation of smartphone. That seem with a with a technology that seems to have very little utilitarian value. Um, Is it still recording? Yeah. So I think there must be, there's a difference between real innovation and fake innovation, which of course seems very subjective. Um, I mean, a, 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 um, a friend of mine who's a producer of hip hop was telling me that he considers. Um, um, Autotune to be an innovation in music, um, and I, I think this is entirely nonsensical. Uh, it is it maybe like a technological invention. It's also impressive, uh, but the usage in, in pop music and, and trap and so on of autotune is purely and only a matter of style and fashion. It is absolutely nothing. It, it brings no change to any musical parameter. Um, it is not even remotely compar comparable to something like... It brings change to key. <laughs> There's also this kind of interesting aspect of seeing avant-garde and especially this kind of conflict between different ideas of avant-garde and what avant-garde means, between this kind of uh, enlightenment idea um, with the kind of human image of Hobbes and Locke, this kind of, there is this, this unhindered process of, of technology, of human um, inventions that leads to, to modernity and which leads to an improvement of life and so on. Mm. Um, and then you have this kind of Rousseau idea who is valuing creativity, mm. uh, artistic expression um, as creativity, not so much as innovation in, in relation to technology. Mm. Um, basically the difference between uh, modern society as being the positive um, the positive liberation from the previous state of nature for humans yep. compared to this idea of, of society being bring all of those bad parts uh, with it and then there of course in avant-garde there's also those two kind of strings this idea of modernization new technology um, this kind of very strong 
push toward forwards in an idea that there is like a constant evolution mm. in human being and human development and culture in contrast to the to the idea of um, avant-garde should be a liberation of artistic creativity and expression not for the means of of um, societal or cultural progress in a way mm. uh, and I think this is already this 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 problem or this this conflict is already embedded in the term avant-garde mm. because what does it actually mean what are you advancing towards that mm. is the question mm. are you advancing towards a individual artistic freedom and and emancipation mm. or towards a societal? a societal modernity with an idea of of technological invention and i mean that's also the question with within every field is an individual um, invention necessarily belongs to a society part of the society uh, made by the society or is an individual just the individual that is outside of the society or within the society but still remain individual yeah i mean it, it, it collides direct, directly with the with the question of the individual within the society yeah um and i, I mean this is also the at the heart of very many uh, political political developments the question of uh, the individual which is somewhat of a of a mass liberal humanistic oh. idea yeah. in conflict with the community aspect yeah. of of communism yeah because individual without community community is a serial killer no <laughs> it is he can live in the community but he doesn't think that he is part of the community yeah i mean it's quite interesting this is this this kind of um because Rousseau was talking very often in a very, in a very, somewhat conflicting way about being individual in the community or being individual in the, in the original state of of living, mm. um, before modern society, and he, he he, more or less came to the conclusion that there is a state, which he considered to be ideal, in which someone would live as an individual in the community. Yeah. Which I think is very much related to Max Stirner's idea of kind of a individual or egoistic anarchism that you would act out of your own interest but because your own interest is benefiting uh, or is, is, is most positively affected by a community which also lives well and 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 does not have any conflicts or or scarcity or something it would be your egoistic individual interest to to help other people or to um, interact in the community to the well-being of other people um, but i also heard recently like a thing a person was talking about uh, why is uh for instance, in any group, in terms of also anarchistic, so-called so anarchistic group, there's always like a one or one group of people who's in the sort of control status. Yeah. Because they, he was saying about the individual forms, the family necessarily, mm. like 
family starts to be yeah family start to form a small union community thing and the union starts to form a county and country mm-hmm. this kind of development so even if it's a anarchistic group of bunch you know like a community thing there still will be something that is taking control in the way of managing or you know like take care of the community instead of just living still individually mm. like a nation like how the nation would work I think actually this is also in a way related to avant-garde the question because with Lenin there was this idea that avant-garde I mean you have this problem of course with Lenin that at the one hand there is the idea of, uh, of the totalitarian um, governance that the that the workers and the people are in command yet there is still like a, a group which is according to him more suitable to lead or to make decisions which he sometimes also referred to avant-garde um, within the the totalitarian um, so he basically still don't trust the people to govern for themselves. Um, I mean, the, the, it, it depends. I mean, there was one uh, uh, Robotkin, probably pronounced wrong, anarchist. He was very aware of this problem. He was very aware that there would be very fast made a distinction uh, among people, even if you are having, and this is again leading to the very beginning of this this episode, even if you are attempting to make it somewhat technocratic or meritocratic so saying people who are specifically qualified um, for those those positions those terms um, as soon as you place them into this position of course you have again a class yeah of course there's I mean there's various of, of ideas of how to deal with it but specifically with the communism of the last century, you can see that it didn't work uh, in the way that they were being, in the way that they developed. But um, yes, I mean, that, that's also the difference. We talked about the, the two ideas, the Saint-Simon and the Plato kind of government made out of those experts. Um, and, and like I said, in Plato, you, you as a, producer you had no chance to become a guardian and obviously as a slave or as a woman you also didn't have any chance to become a guardian um, in Saint-Simon he was thinking of that people should have those kind of uh, governmental position if they have distinguished themselves in society through their accomplishments but of course this is entirely kind of uh, naive and entirely is not acknowledging that people who who will turn out to have those accomplishments usually are still now don't get there by meritocratic means but through nepotism or higher cultural resources, financial resources or whatsoever. Mm-hmm.